Welcome to episode 45 of the Forward from 50 podcast, where we interview people over 50 who are pursuing new direction for their lives. It's an opportunity for men and women to tell their stories, their way, in their own words. I'm Greg Gerber, the founder of Forward from 50, and your host for today's show. Today, I'm interviewing a woman from Kansas who believes grandchildren are an absolute treasure. Ruth Cowles has seven grandchildren scattered around the world in places like Kansas, Georgia, Pennsylvania, and even Austria. The distance makes it more challenging for her to have regular contact with each of them, but it also instilled in her a passion to help grandparents have greater influence in the lives of their grandchildren. In fact, she considers it a biblical mission. Ruth feels so strongly about grandparents having influence in the lives of their grandchildren that she wrote a book to help support those vital relationships. The Grandma Club, The Joys and Challenges of Grandparenting, tells grandmothers how they can pass on a wonderful legacy by having influence that spans generations. To tell us more about her life story and how grandmothers can have a tremendous impact on the lives of their children and grandchildren, please welcome Ruth Cowles to the show. Thanks for joining me today, Ruth. I really appreciate the time. It sounds like something happened to you a few years ago that really impacted your life and that you had a grandchild. And why don't you tell us about that and how it impacted you? I'll tell you, by now I have seven grandchildren and I've also had a great grandson born this year. I just love them to pieces. We don't live near most of them. Two of my grandchildren live in Austria. Two of my granddaughters live in Pennsylvania. I'm in Kansas. And so, you know, they're spread around. We have three of them here, although one is now living in Georgia. So, you know, I just think that there's a huge opportunity for grandmothers, especially while grandfathers too, but to have influence in the lives of their grandchildren. So important. And I didn't actually ask you if I could share this, but in Psalm 78, I come from a faith perspective. So In Psalm 78, verse 4 says, We'll tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. And then it goes on to say, So the next generation will know them, even the children yet to be born. And they in turn would tell their children, then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. And I just feel like it's so important for grandparents to to pass on a legacy of faith, if they're people of faith, to the next generations, because how are they going to know if somebody doesn't tell them? That's right. And I think sometimes grandparents are too quiet about their beliefs and don't take the opportunities not to preach at the kids, but to live their life out in front of them and love them. When you're a person of faith, and you believe certain things, it really is important for you to step in and share that perspective. And not to overrun the grandchildren's parents to the degree in which the grand, their parents are open to allowing you to have that, that, that purpose, that influence in the grandchildren's lives. That's true. So, if, if the children are people of faith as well, then having grandpa and grandma sharing their faith is a second reinforcement. And then the grandchild really understands that this is important to the people that really love me and care for me. Exactly. So you started the Grandma Club. Is that an actual website or is that something on Facebook? No, it's not actually. I love to write. And once I retired from working, from being employed, 
I started writing more. And The Grandma Club is actually my sixth book. And it's really, I call it The Grandma Club because one of my friends, and I actually said this in the book, a lady stopped into my office while I was still working and told me she was so excited because she was going to be a grandmother for the first time. And so I said, welcome to the club. And then later on, I thought, oh, that's a good title for a book, The Grandma Club, because we're all in this stage of life where we're in this club together, this club of grandparenting our, our grandchildren. And so that's where the name for the book came from. So no, it's like a virtual club. You're a parent. Okay. <laughs> that's fun. Uh, what did you do before you turned 50? My husband and I were on the mission field for years. We served, my husband's a missionary pilot. And so we were there. I taught Bible. I was a, a nurse by vocation. And when we went to Africa, I fell in love with Bible teaching and had many opportunities to do that in schools there. So that's what I did there. And then when we left Africa, I was 44 when we left Africa and joined, became on a, a church staff, actually, as the minister to women on a church staff here in a local church in Olathe, where we live now. And I was there until I was 60. And then when I turned 60, I retired. And you never really leave ministry. You just change locations. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm teaching. I teach three Bible classes a week in women's Bible studies and write. And I blog. I try to do inspirational blogs twice a month. And yeah, so between that and partnering with my husband to try to be available to him and our children and our grandchildren, life is very full. I can and imagine. it's good. It sounds it's good. Like it would be really challenging, I would think, to be teaching Bible classes in a foreign country. Did the people share the language that you were communicating with, or was that an additional challenge to overcome that language barrier? That's a good question. English was being taught there in the schools, and I taught all in English. So praise God, because it's much easier if you're teaching in your own mother tongue. Yeah, and the school's actually much different from many places, many countries. The schools there were open to having religious instruction. And as a missionary, I was able to go in and teach from the biblical perspective. And, and so that's what I did, and they were very open to that. And it was I enjoyed it so much. What gives you a passion for helping women grow in their faith? That's a good question. I worked in children's ministry for many years, and then then I grew up. If you can reach the woman, then the woman can reach the children. And so I just found that women have, they're hurting, and there's so many needs. There's despair, especially in today's world. There's so much fear out there, and yet we have hope. And to be able to offer that hope to women who can then guide their children, yeah. I don't know if that answered your question, but it does indeed. And women can also have an influence on their husbands. Even, Absolutely. Even if their husbands aren't believers yet. Absolutely. Huh. Yes. So you help them overcome their fears? Is that what you're trying to do and get a God perspective of their life? Don't you think, in my opinion, it's a lot about our focus. Where are we? First of all, what voices are we listening to? And secondly, what are we focusing on? If we're looking around us at all the chaos and the, the problems. And if we're head down all the time, we are going to be fearful, right? 
But if we're in the Bible, and I love the Bible, I love the Lord, I'm a born-again believer, and if we know him and we're in his word, we don't have to be looking down all the time. We can look up, and our focus can then be on him and on eternal things. Now, not to ignore the present, not to ignore what's happening, because we need to be informed. I believe in that as well. But we do not need to be despairing. That's so, a very good point. It's so dark in some parts of the, the world and even in yes. our country and even in our lives that any light yes. really shines and is really noticeable. So when grandma is the light for the family, it can have a, a tremendous effect in energizing everybody else. I love that you said that because every year I pick a word, a theme word for the year. My theme word for this year was light. It's so great that you really came in on that. Yes, light. That's my word for the year. The, the light overcomes the darkness that people have yes. and the despair, and especially for our kids. So the kids come home and they're depressed and they really yes. need to know that there is a better way and how to tamp down that darkness so that they mm -hmm. can enjoy a more fruitful life, I guess. I agree wholeheartedly with that. And there is a lot of confusion among the young people today. They don't know what's up and what's not. That's and, right. um, if the parents can guide them correctly and if they have open communication with their kids, which a lot of parents don't have open communication with their children. And that's so important to be able to have the children talk to you, tell you what's going on in their head, tell you the things that they're hearing at school. So that you can counter that if it needs to be corrected. I agree. So. With your book, The Grandma Club, The Joys and Challenges of Grandparenting, what are you teaching people? I'm hoping to, and like I said, this is my latest book, and I'm hoping really to cover those areas where some grandmothers, a grandparent from a distance. And actually, because we lived in Africa so long, my parents had to grandparent our children from a long distance. And I want grandparents to know that you can still have influence in their life, even if you don't live near your grandchildren. You can, there's many things you can do to have that close connectedness with your grandchildren. And then also sometimes grandparents have certain expectations of how this whole grandparenting thing is going to go. And it doesn't always go that way. And so what do we do then with those unmet expectations? Or what do we do if Tragic things happen in the lives of, of the grandchildren or their families. How does a grandmother handle that? How does a grandparent cope with that? And when does a grandmother not, when does she interact in such a way that she's not interfering? You can't, you're, these are not your children. These are your grandchildren. And your role is different in the lives of your grandchildren. Now, I know that a lot of grandparents today are parenting their grandchildren due to circumstances. And I understand that. But if not, if you're not in the parent role, grandparenting is a different role. And what does that look like? And then passing on this spiritual legacy, taking care of yourself as a grandmother. I, I think that probably maybe you've seen some of the chapter titles in on my book. And I want to give the grandmother just that feeling of at this stage of our life, there's still a lot we can do to That's influence nice. our grandchildren. I always say that you can't have impact without contact. And so it's interesting really? that you are addressing how to help grandparents who live at a distance and may not be able to have that kind of contact 
what are some of the things that grandparents who do live far away from their grandkids, what can they do to build on and expand that relationship? I learned a lot from my own mom who had to grandparent our children from a distance. And back in those days, we didn't have it nearly as easy as today. With social media now, kids, the kids text, they have, we can contact our, I can see my granddaughter in Austria. I can see her face. I can chat with her face to face over social media and over the internet and texting. And you can do that. And there's nothing wrong with mail. Snail mail still good. And then packages, parcels, just all kinds of things like that. Funny story, my mom used to put the tape recorder back when we used old cassette tapes back in the day. She used to dig out the, the, the cassette tape replay, player. She'd put it on the dining room table at home and put a tape in there. And whenever the family gathered for a family meal, my brothers and their families, she would say, now Ruthie's not here with us, so let's include, let's include the family. And she'd push the button on the tape recorder and they would all talk to us. While they're, we'd hear the clanking of the forks, and the, but we were part of that. She made us always be part of what was happening in the family. Now you can put Zoom on and you can have these kind of things. I've played games on Zoom live face-to-face -face, with my grandchildren in Pennsylvania. We've just, I've thrown the dice and showed them. They let them see what, the, what my dice looks like and they throw theirs. And, you know, there's so many things you could do at a distance. Today makes it easy. How old are your grandkids? Right now, my two oldest ones are 20. And then I have one that just turned 19. And I have one that's 18. I have two boys that are 15. And then the youngest is nine. Okay. Very and then the, the great grandbaby is just, I think, four months now. <laughs> so a little too <laughs> young to be texting you at this point. Yeah, a little too young. Yeah. But I can text his mama, who's my granddaughter, <laughs> you know. My oldest grandchild is, just turned 10. And so okay. she has her phone on a watch. And so we can communicate that way every now and again. But most of my grandkids are not even five yet. So it's hard for me to be able to text them. But still, I will have those Zoom connections with them where we'll just get together and share a face-to-face -face meeting just for a couple of minutes. Yes. And it's important they see your face mm -hmm. because when they see your face and before we had the social media thing, we would exchange pictures like photographs. The reason being, then when you actually have your, they know your face, you know. Right. So I think these long distance grandparents, it's important that their grandchildren know what they look like. They see them. They know they're real people who love them. And then when they're together, it's, there's some familiarity there, which is good. You're right. When they see me, yeah. it's grandpa. And they keep calling me bapa and things like that whenever we're talking. And even on the phone, when... Uh, it might not be video if I'm on the phone and their mother is uh, showing who she's talking to and my face is there. They know instantly yeah. who it is and they can start carrying on a conversation because they know who's on the other end of that phone. Yeah, but it's great. When my grandson was young, you can buy these recordable books like mm -hmm. Hallmark and different ones have recordable books. So when he was young, he they're the, he's the one that lives in Austria uh, along with my granddaughter. And so we would do recordable books. So that he could hear us over and over again as he would flip the pages of the storybook. Our voices were there, so they were familiar to him. And I, I just enjoyed that, too. So That's a cool gift idea with Christmas yeah. coming up. People should be able to get the recordable books and share messages and read stories to their grandkids. That's cool. Yeah. You talked about photos before, and that is something that has changed dramatically over the years. 
Nobody displays photos like people can't see it now. The background that you have there is a photo wall of all of your grandchildren and things like that. But people don't have those pictures up in their houses anymore. So it would be important for families to put pictures of grandparents on there. So maybe that's something grandparents can gift to their kids if they want. It would be a nice photo. Yes. And you know, another thing, they have those great photo frames. I forget what you call them. They're like digital and they have many pictures that flip through as you. I think that's a great idea. That is amazing because I've got one as well. I got one earlier this year called a skylight, I think is what it is. Uh And so my daughters can email the frame photos of my grandkids. And then I get notification that I have new pictures and I go over there, press the button. And all of a sudden, my goodness, here they are. And yeah, that's great. It is. It's a nice way to keep in touch with them. You had talked about mail. That's, I think with older kids, that would be really important to establish that pen pal relationship with uh-huh. a grandchild if they're at a distance. Have you done that with your kids with actual um, snail mail? I do packages from time to time and little notes occasionally. I don't do a lot of it. Because they're, they are older, and so we can text, we can do emails together, okay. things mm-hmm. like I email them back and forth or text them back and forth. And even if it's just a quick, hey, I'm thinking about you today, or oh. I, I love you, or just some little contact thing. It's, I didn't fall off the, the planet. I'm still here, and I still think of you. You're in my heart. You're in my mind. And But of course, when it comes to like Christmas, I'm getting two boxes ready to go now to my families that are living at a distance, the one in Pennsylvania and the one in Austria. So, because I like them to have something concrete mm-hmm. also in their hand from us. So, that's right. getting ready to do that. I know a number of grandparents who will go down to the dollar store and pick up a bunch of cards. They're just fun sure. greeting cards, not anything right. for birthday, but just I'm thinking of you, you're great yeah. kind of thing. And then buy stickers, these packages of stickers. So include a couple of sheets of stickers in the card and send it off to the grandkids. And the kids love getting the mail. Even when I was a kid, I loved getting mail. So I can't imagine that it's any different today. Yeah. And it's getting rare to get decent mail in the mail because right now most of you get bills. That's right. So it really stands out. Yeah. Personal letter. Yeah. Is it okay for grandparents to spoil their grandkids? Well, now that depends. What, <laughs> that depends. I think it depends what you mean by that. Spoil your grandkids. Love them, yes, but not to spoil them to the extent where they have a, an entitlement mentality. I think sometimes grandparents think their little grandchildren can do whatever they want. No, they have to have structure and they have to have discipline in a right kind way. And I think that You can spoil them with love, but be careful. And always, I think, don't overrule their parents. If the parents say, I don't want them to have such and such, don't get the idea that it's okay for us to give that to them. If their parents don't want them to have it, we'd be very careful that we respect their parents because they are the parents now. You're setting the example. Exactly. Mom and dad say, we don't do this, but grandpa and grandma say, nah, it's all right to go that. Then the kids say, maybe I don't have to obey what mom and dad say as well. That's an excellent point to make. I think grandparents need to support the parents. Mm -hmm. The grandparents need to support their own adult children as their own adult children, parent. And if we did a good job, if we tried to instill right in our own children, then we need to trust them with how they're raising their children. That's a good point. Yeah. 
because things are different today. You could pay me to raise a kid today. I, I don't think <laughs> I, I do. You have any advice for grandparents who are find themselves in that role of parent? I can't imagine what it would be like to be 60 or 70 years old and having to raise an elementary school or even high school child today. Be tough, I think. It'd be really tough because the world in which children are being raised today is different than the world in which we raised our children. So I, a lot of prayer, I think, and, and support. I think grandparents who are raising their grandchildren need to have a support system in place, whether it be a good church, a structure of family or friends or support around them who can help them. Because honestly, the older we get tired, we don't have the energy we used to have when we were raising our own children. And I think that we need to reach out and, and ask for help if we need it. I think sometimes we think that we don't need to, we, we shouldn't ask for help. No, sometimes we need to ask for help. <laughs> and then when it's offered, receive it. Exactly. In your book, you talked about the joys of grandparenting. What are some of the ones that really stood out to you? Oh, my goodness. One of my friends who I quote in this book also said, I think she said, I think my grandchildren think grandma's, grandma can do no wrong. That grandchildren just naturally tend to gravitate toward their grandparents and love them. And if that is returned, if that same love and acceptance, it can be a wonderful relationship. When I was, when my first granddaughter was born, she lived in Pennsylvania, but within a month, my second granddaughter was born here in Olathe, where we live. And even when she was little, before preschool, I would take her out on Friday mornings for breakfast and sit her in a little high chair. And just, I just wanted to establish from early on a relationship with her. And we had, I would take pictures and I would make her picture books of her outings with BB. That's what they call me. And I just... We just, I love that. And now she's the one who has her child in our first grandson. And it's just a way that you can establish from early on this, I'm here for you. I love you. I want to be with you. There's joy in that. There's a lot of joy in I agree. Make it fun. It should be fun. With my grandson that lives in Dallas, he is uh, almost four. And uh -huh. he likes to go on adventures with Papa. And so yes, one of good. his favorite adventures is to go to the car wash for some reason. Awesome. Just sit in the car with grandpa as they go through the machine and it's washing yeah. and waxing and all that stuff. He just loves that. Talks about it. Whenever I show up, it's like, can we go to the car wash? <laughs> it doesn't have to cost a lot. It doesn't have to be a big thing. I used to take my granddaughter to, to recycle cans and uh, pop cans. And so her parents would save their pop cans and we'd save ours and the neighbor would save theirs. And we take a bag there to the where the big truck is, and they'd have the such sinful little thing, or take them to the fire station to see the fire trucks, right. or to the dairy to see the cows. There's, it doesn't have to cost a lot. I was, it's just time. You're investing time. What are some of the challenges of being a grandparent? I think knowing when to butt in and when to bow out. When you can, <laughs> that's one of the chapters in the book. But sometimes. Your grandchildren are not being raised maybe in exactly the same way as you think is the right way. And do you say something or do you not? Is it, is it really detrimental to their health or well-being? Or can you let it go and just say, this is how the parents prefer and it's okay. It's not hurting the child. Just because it's not my idea doesn't mean it's wrong. Mm -hmm. I think that's a challenge, knowing when to speak up and when not to. 
I think it's also a challenge when the family, things like divorce or things that happen in the family that affect your grandchildren deeply, that can be a challenging time for the grandparents for lots of reasons. Or when the grandchildren get older and they start making decisions that maybe you don't think are wise ones, and maybe they're not. Maybe they're headed down a path that looks like they're headed for trouble. That can be a challenge for a grandmother. How do you address that? And how do you address that in such a way that you draw your grandchildren close, you don't push them away, and yet you're able to help maybe give them some direction? That's a challenge right there. And then another challenge would be, of course, if the parents, if there's a falling out, sometimes there's a falling out between the child, the grandchild's parent and yourself for whatever the reason. And if that happens, that's devastating to a grandparent. And what do you do to try to reconcile with the grandchildren's parents, your own child and your in-law? How do you bring that reconciliation about in a good way so that you can still have this connectedness to your grandchildren? That's a challenge. You're right. There's a lot of challenges in grandparenting. That is a tragic situation when the grandchildren are pawns in divorce. Right. I know a grandfather who was devastated because his son was divorced and the child was living with his ex-wife and the ex-wife would not allow the child to have any contact with his husband's extended family or the the boss extended family. And that went on for four years. But through Mm -hmm. the power of prayer, eventually she caved in and allowed the contact to resume and the relationship to flourish again. And I thought, yeah, praise God for that. Yeah, That can be so hard. And it's hard, too, when you watch your own kids going down the wrong path, making the same mistakes that you did that you caused mm-hmm. you so much pain in your life. Do you need yeah. permission from them to be able to butt in that? Or do you? how do you segue into conversations that might be difficult? I think a lot depends on how much conversation you've had up to that point when things were going well. How much involvement did you have with them? How open were they to chatting with you? How Have you spent any time together before that? Because I think a bad mistake is to not have a lot of interaction until they do something wrong. Right. In your opinion, it's wrong. And then you go for them and tell them what they're doing wrong. No, you have to have had that relationship already to where you can hear each other and and not be critical. I think a lot of times as we age, I think sometimes some, I'm sorry to say it this way, but I think sometimes as we age, we can become critical and abrupt and not very loving or understanding. And that just drives them further away. I I believe that. We need to earn that right to be able to have these conversations about the hard things. That's a good point. You just, if you were always to come in when they're doing something wrong, Who's going to want to talk to people who are always pointing out the flaws that they do in their life, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. One of the other challenges that I see a lot of grandparents having is comes to matters of faith, where Mm -hmm. they are very spiritual. They've got good relationship with God, but their child may not. And therefore, Mm -hmm. the grandchildren have no idea about that. Yeah. What should they be sharing their faith, or how can they share their faith in a way that would honor their parents as well. That's very hard. It's very hard. I have a situation right now I know of where 
the grandmother has been told very clearly, do not talk about Jesus to our grand, to our children, to your grandchildren. We don't want them to hear about that. And that's heartbreaking mm -hmm. because this grandmother, it's her faith. This is her life. She lives this out. And so I would say, and as I've talked with her, prayer, there's a lot of prayer about that, a lot of prayer for softening of hearts. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that God can soften even the hardest heart. But also this grandmother faced this thing about she has like in her house, she might have a, a picture on the wall that might have a scripture verse on it or something. It's just part of her home decor. And she's like, when my granddaughter's over here, she sees that. Do I need to take that down? No, of course you don't need to take that down. This is your home. This is part of your natural decor. You're not plastering verses everywhere and you're not. But when she comes and she sees that this home is a home, it's peaceful. You have that love for her. It's evident there's something on your wall that speaks of truth. These are just small ways. And I think the biggest thing, though, is prayer. Pray. And I've also, I've suggested in the book that you might want to invite the parents who are opposed to your faith. You might want to invite them and say, we're having a special thing at church. Would you like to come and bring the children? And if they say no, that's okay. Don't go around their back and invite the kids mm -hmm. without them first okaying because you are just driving a wedge that's between their parents and yourself. And you don't want to do that. God wants these children. If he wants them to know about your faith, he's going to make a way. <laughs> that's a good, very good way to notice that. I would imagine it's also a problem when the grandkids are like spending a weekend with grandpa and grandma uh -huh. and grandpa and grandma, part of their weekend routine is to go to church. Uh -huh. That could cause some problems, I would think. Have you ever encountered any people like that who have been told, no, I don't want you to take my grandkids to church and therefore the grandparents don't go to church that weekend? It can, that can be tricky. I, I think that if your children know that you go to church on Sunday and is a part of your habit, it's a part of your pattern, it, you're accustomed to do it, then they're going to have an expectation maybe that their children might end up in church against their I think that's a conversation that needs to happen. I agree. Before that weekend, mm -hmm. that grandparent needs to say to the parent, we do go to church on Sunday. Is that okay with you that we take the children? And if they say no, then there's going to have to be some arrangement made. Mm -hmm. Either the children go home Saturday night or the parents pick them up Sunday morning or the grandparents say, okay, fine, then we won't go this week. But they have to talk about it. <laughs> that's a good point. What are the other books that you've written? The one I the the one that's really dear on my heart too is this one called Bringing Mother Home, and it's about my journey with my mom through her dementia, and as caregiver for her, we brought her here from Pennsylvania, and she lived with us for the last several months, last half year of her life, and just these women and men who are caregiving for another family member, they need to know that they're it's okay that sometimes you. You feel frustrated. That's okay. That sometimes things you have to acknowledge that things don't always go the way you hope. And so this book is really written to give hope. It's really just my story of my time with my mom until the Lord took her home. And then I also, we also care, we're caregivers for my husband's mother. And she did not live with us, but she was a mile and a half away. We brought her up from South Carolina. And again, her situation was different. But she required a lot from us, a lot of care every day. And I was also with her when she went to heaven. 
And it was a privilege, but it wasn't always easy. Mm-hmm. And we need to, to, to be supportive. We need to, again, know how to reach out for help. We need to know what resources are available for caregivers. And that's called bringing mother home. And then I did an Easter, a little Easter devotional, Easter, what it's all, what's it all about? And a little Christmas devotional, Christmas, what's it all about? Prior to that, I did two poetry books. One is called Prayerful Ponderings, Poems of Prayer and Praise. And I liked poetry. I always did. And so I did a little poetry book. And then I did one called Mommy Moments, which really I started writing poems when my children were little. And Mommy Mommy Moments has episodes from when my children were little through when my grandchildren were little and got a little bit of prose in there and poetry. So some people hate poetry and some love it. I happen to love it. But yeah, so those and they're all on Amazon. So available and uh, just trying to get the word out. My my goal is really to just, we have, there's a lot of joy in, in knowing the Lord and just to get the gospel out there and open people's eyes to the truth of scripture. And a lot of times the holidays are so commercialized that that there's not much spiritual impact in a lot of homes. And so these little, just short little books, the Easter book and the Christmas book, just some devotionals in there about the holidays. And that's been fun. What prompted you to start writing? I always loved to write. And when we were on the mission field, it used to be that you had, you sent a missionary prayer letter out every month. And so we were there. We were 17 years on the mission field. That is a lot of months of writing prayer letters. And I, and I just, I love it. I, I just loved putting words on paper and communicating. I, I'm a communicator. I'm a teacher. I'm a speaker. and It's just another way to communicate through writing. Mm -hmm. So I started blogging in 2014, I believe I started blogging. And so I blogged twice a month with an inspirational, devotional kind of blog. And then I send out a monthly, I just started this year sending out a monthly e-newsletter, basically to those who are interested in my writing. That goes out once a month. So those are three online kind of writing things I do. I can't really tell you what started it. Okay. I, I just always like to write. A lot of people would probably enjoy doing that, starting a blog and sending out a newsletter and things like that. Did you get special training for that? Or did it, <laughs> Don't did I you, wish. <laughs> yeah. You learned it all by yourself through trial and error, or you yeah. have younger grandkids uh, who are teenagers there you who go. helped you as you well. You know, my son and my husband, they're both very savvy as far as social media and online things. And actually, my son set up my website for me. Uh, and I really appreciated that. And so he helps administer, administrate that, that website. And so when I get stuck, I have a question, then I'm just, I text him and say, Hey, we need to talk about this. I can't remember how to do it. <laughs> oh, it's so, nice yeah. to have a tech support team that uh, is part it, of the family. It very much nice. is. Yeah. Yes. Well, if you, you had to start your life over again after turning 50, is there anything you do differently? From retirement on, you mean from yes. 50 on, would I do anything differently? Oh, I'm sure I probably would do some things differently. I don't know what right now at the moment. Okay. I think a lot of times we're intimidated maybe by things. At When you didn't grow up with computers and with social media, sometimes you find that intimidating now. But if you can reach out and ask for help, I did a book signing and asked my granddaughter, who's 18 at the time, 
I asked her, she's a photographer, so I asked her if she'd come and take photos at the book signing. And it was interesting because one of the ladies there wanted to pay with Venmo. Okay. I have it, and I had the little square thing where she could go in and pay. She wanted to pay with a credit card, not Venmo, a credit card. And I had the little square that I never even used and didn't even know what to do with it. And so when I went to put her payment in, I'm like, I was stuck. And so my granddaughter, who's 18, I looked at her and she said, let me help you. And it was beautiful because she was there to take pictures, but she also taught me something. We can learn a lot from these young people, Mm -hmm. right? And so never stop learning. Don't be intimidated to learn new things. That's what I would also tell grandparents. There's a lot that the younger generation has to teach us. And they love to teach us, so let them. Learn from them. Don't ever act like we know it all, because we certainly don't. So be willing to learn. Do you have any advice for people over 50 to help them identify or pursue their passions? It's interesting because I think you can tell if it's your passion if you love doing it. If you really love doing it. And I think that we need to serve in that area of our passion and our giftedness, depending on what you believe about the scriptures. But I believe that you're gifted with certain abilities by God. And so that combination of your passion and your giftedness, when you're doing that, you will feel a sense of fulfillment and joy. You'll know that's your passion area when you feel that sense of joy. When you do it, you're doing something and you're doing it and it's like drudgery and you don't enjoy it and it just feel obligatory. That's not your passion. You know? That's right. Exactly. If you don't enjoy going in there, how do you identify that thing, though, that is supposed to be giving you joy the, to identify that giftedness that you have? Or is it something try you instinctively some, know? Try some things. Try some things. It doesn't hurt to try. You try a couple of things and you'll find out, nope, that's not it. Mm. And sometimes other people will tell you, I'm a Bible teacher, and I love, love, love that. And a lot of times it's how people respond to what you're doing that helps you to know, should you continue that? Is that an area of giftedness for you or not? If the feedback is to the contrary, then it's probably not your gifted area. That's a very good point. How can people connect with you if they'd like to either follow you or just reach out and chat with you? They can go to my website, and my website is Ruth Cowles, that's C-O-W-L-E-S, ruthcowles.wordpress.com. And, and actually, it's fun because I believe uh, I love to include my family. My granddaughter developed my logo, which is, it's a, you can see it if you go to the website, but it's Reaching, Encouraging, Connecting is my website name at ruthcowles.wordpress.com. I also have a Facebook author page, just Ruth Cowles off author, Ruth Cal's author. And then you can also email me and that's Ruth E. Cowles at gmail.com. Ruth E. Cowles at gmail.com. And I'm on LinkedIn. You can just look me up by name on LinkedIn. You could also go onto Amazon and just type in Google Ruth Cal's books and then they'll come up and that'll show there. And I have an author page on Amazon as well. Multiple ways to connect. I'll be sure to link to all. It's the age in which we live, right? It's all social media. I'll be sure to link to all of those. Thank you. Thank you. You know what? Can I answer, just tell you one quote quick from Pastor Adrian Rogers. I think this is such a good quote for people in retirement age. 
that he said, and it wasn't about that, but he said, it's always too soon to quit. It's never too late to start. Grandparents, retirees, it is never too late to start. You know, put your foot out there and get moving. That's start. the entire premise behind Forward from 50. So and I you. think it's great. Thank Thanks for, for doing it. Thank you for sharing your story with us today, Ruth. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Thank you. There's no question that grandmothers like Ruth Cowles can influence the lives of their grandchildren as well as their adult children. Ruth's book, The Grandma Club, The Joys and Challenges of Grandparenting, helps grandparents set good expectations for those relationships. With family often scattered far and wide, Ruth shows how to maintain thriving relationships even from a distance. After all, she even plays board games with her grandchildren via Zoom. She said it's very important that grandchildren be able to see their grandparents' faces. That way, there's already a comfortable familiarity when face-to-face meetings take place. Ruth applied a lot of wisdom in answering the question whether grandparents should spoil their grandchildren. They certainly don't want to instill an entitlement mentality in the youngsters. Yet she was very clear of the dangers of grandparents ignoring a parent's direction or overruling a decision doesn't take too many episodes of overruling a parent to create friction in a relationship. If a grandparent thinks it is okay not to follow a parent's instructions, then kids get the idea they don't have to obey mom and dad either. Ruth also provided some great advice regarding when to butt into a situation as well as knowing when to bow out. Sometimes that involves walking a fine line to maintain harmony in a relationship. The Grandma Club isn't the only book Ruth has written. She also published a book about caring for a family member with dementia and written several devotional books pertaining to Christmas and Easter. I love the advice she shared from another minister who said, it's always too soon to quit, but never too late to start. That's a good reminder for grandparents, retirees, and anyone over 50. People can connect with Ruth by visiting ruthcowles.wordpress.com, looking for her author page on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Amazon, or emailing her at ruthcoles at gmail.com. That's all I have for this week's show. If you'd like help in identifying a purpose for your life or to get help in planning your next steps, I'm offering a complimentary brainstorming session to members of the Forward from 50 Facebook community. For details, connect with me on Facebook or visit www.forwardfrom50.com. I'll have another inspirational interview on the next episode of the Forward from 50 podcast. Thanks for listening, and if you like this show, please consider leaving a review wherever you download the episodes.